pick men, pick men. <laughs> I love it when we create new songs. Yeah. Pikmin is like the cutest music in the world. It's so like plunky and do do like just freaking adorable. I love that franchise. It reminds me a little bit of the Animal Crossing music. Yes. I was doing the trumpet part of Animal Crossing while playing Pikmin today, and John was like, "That's not the right song." That's not the right song. It fits it. I would argue that maybe Yoshi's story has the best music ever. Really good. I do love how the the Yoshis sing in their Yoshi dialect. What would you say? That, is that like baby talk? Yoshi! Yeah. Yeah, it's something like that. Some sort of mumbly baby talk. Oh, yum bum. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yum bum yeah. indeed. Playing Pikmin all day um, today. You got a tattoo. I played Pikmin. What's your tattoo of, Ben? Uh, well, I finished up my dungeons, uh, one of my dungeons and dragons ones. I'm working on a lower leg wrap that is all f- like four of my favorite monsters. So we started with an owl bear, yep. and today we just finished up our gelatinous cube. And next time we're starting on the beholder and the mimic. Ooh, that's exciting! Did you watch the D and D movie? I did, and I love the hell out of it. It's so much fun. So great! It is. It's a gem. It's a it gem. Is. I watched it alone by myself by accident. Uh, oh. And ben, on my phone. No. And it was great. And then Fiona's like, have you watched the D&D movie yet? We should watch it together as a date. And I was like, oh, hey, hey. So we watched it again a couple days ago. See, as a married, I'm going to give you some relationship advice here, Ben. Oh, please do. Yeah. When you get to a certain point and you're like five or ten minutes in and you're like, this is good. You stop. You stop what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I see your point. There's times where John's been like, I started watching a movie and thought this is a movie you'd like, so I stopped watching it, and that is why. Well, to make it worse, I already knew we had already talked about <gasps> watching this one together. <laughs> she should divorce you. No, don't <laughs> no, say I'm shit like that. I'm just joking. I don't mean that at all. No, no, no. It's uh, it's a, it's one of those things where like I want you to experience. Okay, how about this, though? I do think it's really sweet sometimes when you watch a movie and then you're like, I know my partner's going to love the hell out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I go want to watch it with them just so I can see their reactions. That is sweet, yeah. So that's not quite how this went, but I did <laughs> indeed two days ago watch it again with her. And as a credit to the film, it's still fucking funny the second time around. It's great. Oh, great cast. It's so good. Like, Michelle Rodriguez is fantastic as this, like... It was the perfect role for her. She was so good as it. And, like, yeah. they don't do, like, the weird thing they usually do with, like, female warriors where every attack is sexy or something. She's just, like, a... She's a bruiser. Knockdown, brutal yeah. fighter. Yeah. God, I love that movie. Just beats the crap out of people. Yeah. Uh, Chris Pine is our sort of, like, useless bard is pretty fantastic. I do love... I When I was watching the movie, I did think of you thinking, like, okay, this is the one time that i like a bard bards i'm telling you bards are great but in in this in this situation i agree the bard was wonderful you have to learn to appreciate the idea of a bard what they can do this helped me this helped me ben yeah okay okay let's baby steps towards bardom Uh, i forgot to tell you i went for my tattoo consultation this week oh so you're getting a tattoo i am your first one my firsty yeah Ooh, you never forget your first i guess i don't know i probably not <laughs> i should hope not like, ah, where did that come from <laughs> it's like that stupid tv show what was that called uh blind spot i don't think i ever saw where that it had, like 
she's like a CIA agent or something, and she goes missing and then wakes up and she's got all these tattoos and they're clues. To, Isn't that just Memento? Yeah, it does sound like Memento. It might be. I never watched it. It just seemed like a really ridiculous premise. And that's yeah. when an actor has a bunch of fake tattoos on them, it just never looks very convincing to me. No. Like, that's a Sharpie. Yeah. Somebody didn't iron on. know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? If they iron it on, good for them. They deserve it. Yeah, that's more of like, what is that? Like a branding? Not yeah. A, branding. Not a tattoo, I don't think but... I could get into branding. That looks like it would hurt too much. Yeah, it's a it's a commitment. It's a thing. I don't know that I could. Have you heard of scarification? This yes. is another one I don't think I can get myself into, which is like the sort of ornamental, like North American version of it. Yeah, I don't. Where people are doing like spirals on their skin with flaying and stuff. Like, I just feel like it's so like appropriating. Oh, it's definitely appropriating. Uh, if your white person with dreadlocks getting scarification done, yeah, like that's not. You a might good. be an asshole. We maybe talked about this already, but there was a documentary we watched in art school, and it was in one mm-hmm. of like the anthropology or sociology classes that we had to take, and it was anthropology. What a useful subject. I hey, I got a, a good friend who's an anthropologist, so you careful, buddy. Oh no, that was a uh, completely sincere. <laughs> Could you not tell? I, I thought you were joking. Every now and again, I'll take like a utensil or something and just chuck it in the garbage, so an anthropologist has something to find in a hundred years. Oh my god. She also has a, a double major in anthropology and women's studies, and so we joke about that a lot. See, I think women's studies is useful. Anthropology was very interesting. Hello, I'm an art school dropout and an unfinished English major. Who am I talking to? Well, we watched this documentary and it was about rituals and out, taken out of context. And so it follows these like three or four Western white folks doing weird things to their faces in in the name of uh, rituals or something. So the only thing that I really remember was this one dude from New York who had um, scarification and tattoos and body augmentation based on this very small remote tribe in Africa. And they, they found him in this tattoo shop, pardon me, and they paid for him to actually go visit the tribe. And he was so excited. And when he got out there, he realized he had basically been, um, replicating all the ritual, changes to his body that one would do to a woman who had given birth and so all the people in the tribe were like laughing at him they're like you're because he took it completely out of context and he just thought it looked cool and did it to himself and then got there and was like "Ooh!" and ever since i saw that i was like oh so you didn't understand what you were getting into you changed your body and the people who actually that is their way of life and it's a big part of their culture. You just did it and now they think that you're an idiot. Boy, this has got to be the only example I've ever heard of a white dude taking something that wasn't theirs because it looked cool and uh, not quite utilizing it properly. <laughs> I think it's the only time. The only time. Well, at least we got it done in a history. documentary for posterity. I just remember like the instructor turning off and being like, so the next time some of you guys want to go get all your your tattoos and whoosie what's it's just maybe do a little bit of research. And then we got into the terrible territory of everybody who ever Googled anything saying that they did research. Yeah. This was, when did Google really? Before that. There was a time before that. There was a time when people, when you said you did your research meant that you spent like, you know, six months meticulously looking through like stacks at a library and cross-referencing shit. Now it means you did a Google and found the first like hit that returned that agreed with what you were saying. But this was the time where we were learning how to make slides, not Google slides, not PowerPoint slides, but little 
slides at oh, winning carousels. I did a slideshow as a project I, in art yeah. school and got called trite. I remember that. <laughs> I'll never forget. That was a bad day. How dare you? It was, but how dare you? I didn't call you trite. No, you didn't. It wasn't you. The how dare you is a uh, royal or whatever. Yeah. The the royal we uh, anyway. Royals also never known for appropriating anything. <laughs> Should we start our dumb show? Yay! Welcome back to the show. This is Dork Matters. I'm your dad, Dork host, Ben Rankle, and with me, as always, your Ed Dorkator, Lexi Hunt. Bow, bow. <laughs> That's where I was going to. I was about to do it if you didn't. Yeah. Wow, I really <laughs> just went straight for it there. Uh, Vivezuela us, please. I love it. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Vivezuela. <laughs> The soccer horn. I don't know. I just know them as like the the very loud. The football horn, if you will. The soccer horn from South Africa. That was very loud at games. Yes. That sounds very musical. I don't believe that this was a musical instrument. I think it was, they took the honkers out of Muppets and then waved them and woven them in the air. Wove them in the air. Like they just didn't care. I think they waved them. Uh, I think they waved, waved them. them. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. The Philadelphia, what's his name? Fanatic or whatever. Oh. He, it's him. They stole his. They appropriated that his honker gritty. from his tribe of uh, weird mascots from He's South Philly. terrifying. I love him. I, uh, I hate him and I prefer Gritty. No. Who do you think would win in a fight? Gritty or the Philadelphia Fanatic? Are they the same thing? They are not the same thing. Uh, Gritty is from the Philadelphia Flyers. And the Fanatic is that long tooty horn creature uh, from the baseball, whatever. Oh, I see. They are both equally gross and terrifying. For some reason, I find Gritty way more endearing. I find Gritty terrifying. Like, Gritty would win that fight because his eye, like, he looks like he's been awake for, like, 19 yeah, days yeah. and... He doesn't care anymore. Speaking of Muppets, we are talking about chefs today. (laughs) What's the connection there? You hang on, dear listener. You'll find out. I bet you'll never guess. So, yeah, that's our through line this time. We're just going to talk about chefs. Uh, Big ones, small ones, some the size of our heads. Some that wear hats. Some that wear hats, some that don't, some that are Mm -hmm. hats, I guess. Some that are inside (laughs) of hats. Yeah. Uh, Some that wear no hats at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, some real, some fake. Yeah, we're just going to talk about them. Our favorite, our favorite chefs. Yeah, let's do be it. Great. I'm just uh, one for one, like punching, like punching. that punch game. One for one, like shot for shot. Yeah, Rochambeau. Rochambeau. There you go. <laughs> let's go. Your row. Let's let's do this. Who's your first chef? Um, I gotta go with my OG Anthony Bourdain. Oh, I'm starting real. Rip in peace. I've read. I think almost every single one of his books and then multiple books. Wow, that's dedication. Written by people that knew him that were published after his death. And so Mm -hmm. people that worked with him either on his TV show or in his restaurant. So I've read a lot of books about him. I believe we've watched every single one of his television programs. 
and uh, mm -hmm. I don't have like a cookbook or anything, but I liked him as a writer and kind of a, a journalist versus a chef. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that he was just very, very blunt and honest and was like, this is me world, like it or fuck off kind of thing. And I especially loved how he treated on the TV show and in the books. I mean, like, I'm sure there's people out there that would say like in person, maybe it was different, but he portrayed this image that everybody was deserving of respect. And you treated the dishwasher with the same amount of respect as you treat the maitre d' or the head chef or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he kind of exemplified that in his programs and his books when he talked about these kind of shitty little mom and pop places that, you know, it was a food cart or a vendor versus this big fancy restaurant. Mm -hmm. And he would always say that if you're walking into a restaurant and there's those tiny little plastic chairs and you have to squat down to eat, you know, it's going to be a good meal. So we want to go to Asia and try a bunch of food based on things that we watched on his programs. And he went to a lot of places that a lot of folks wouldn't go to because they were war torn or they thought that they were shitholes or whatever. And he went everywhere and he tried the local cuisine, got in there with the locals. It didn't always go well, but he did it and they showed it. And so I really liked Anthony Bourdain. Were there occasions where he would go places and people were just like, why are you here? How insulting. Like, we're not your TV show. There was, I, I think there was one episode, I can't remember where he was, but people were, they weren't really sure about him. But I think as the episodes, I think all of them go on and he really is just there to talk about food mm -hmm. and talk about the process. People start to open up because when they see you're talking to an equal, a person who equally loves food, wants to know the craft, wants to know the passion. You see that you're talking to a fellow connoisseur of food. And I think that that's, he talked about that a lot in his books is that he's finding like, that's the international language of love with all these different people is finding food, cooking food for people, sharing it. And I think that that really came across. Yeah. Uh, he made a couple of comic books, too. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. Yeah, there's one called Hungry Ghosts and one called Get Jiro oh. that he wrote and then uh, obviously had artists that worked with him on those. That's awesome. I have not read either of them yet, but I know of them. Mm -hmm. And I went to dinner somewhere in New York during New York Comic Con. I don't know if yeah. it was with Anthony Bourdain or somebody working with him because I had no idea who he was at the time. Yeah. But for some reason, we are with somebody who kept talking about working on one of these two books. Mm, that's really cool. Was it him? Maybe. I, I wouldn't know. I can't remember anything. I feel like you'd know if it was Anthony Bourdain because he had like I wouldn't because a... I had no idea who he was at the time. Uh, and I was also there with, uh, what's his name, Juan Granito, who did mm -hmm. Black Sad, who I did know who was and was like just like absolutely gobsmacked, spent the entire night talking to him. <laughs> so you wouldn't know if anyone. Juan <laughs> uh, Granito. So I had, like even if I talked directly to Anthony Bourdain at that time, I would not yeah. have known it because I had no idea who he was and no reference for him at that point. I was just like, oh, some chef who's making a comic oh, book, sure. So it very well could have been Anthony Bourdain. Hone in on our territory. It, it literally could have been. And like, I do not know anymore. Mm -hmm. In my memory, it's a guy with white hair who talked about a comic he was making and that he was a chef. But have I filled in those blanks post? Yeah. And it was like, you know, the artist or somebody else that worked on it? Very possibly. Or an editor. Well, either way. Don't fucking know. Six degrees of separation or the man himself. That's yeah. pretty cool. Anyhow, I did get to hang out Humblebrig with uh, Juan Granito, though. Uh, Black sad fame, uh, which was awesome. <laughs> Long story short, this is really what it was about. He loves Nickelback. 
There, something little known fact. Okay. Yeah, took his kids to the concert, loves them internationally. So people from Alberta forget that uh, they are huge worldwide. They are beloved. Never made it as a wise man, but uh, made it worldwide. It's a little little Nickelback quote for you. Just just slip that in there. That's a very good first pick. I like it. So it's inspiring me to go with. Thank you. Basically, my all time favorite real uh-huh. uh tv tv host chef uh james barber the urban peasant i knew this one was going to be in there i was saying to john tonight we're going to wind up talking about the urban peasant <laughs> yeah i mean james barber is basically i do not know enough about him as a human being but i know the version of him that i have become enthralled with mm-hmm. uh, during my lifetime and he is like the kind of individual I aspire to be. Um, gentle, friendly, um, just like unfussy and not worried about this like sort of faux masculinity or whatever. He just uh, mm-hmm. seemed chill AF, you know? And uh, he was my first cook love. He's the reason I love to cook nowadays. Uh, I've got basically all of his cookbooks. I've got his show on uh, DVD that I can't watch. Mm-hmm. It's just something that I like to revisit over and over again. And uh, he also inspired sort of my aesthetic for what like I feel like a nice urban life should be. Sort of in front of a brick wall, cutting up stuff. Uh, yeah. And just making some nice food. He is, he's my first, my first chef. Your first. Did you ever cook along with him? Uh, no, I think I was too young at the time. Actually, that's yeah. not true. I came back as an as an older, well, I was going to say as an older kid, as an older adult. None, yeah. Neither of those really make sense. In my 20s, I did. I, I once had a some sort of pseudo conversation with a CBC mm-hmm. producer to like start making like some, uh, some cooking videos. So I went and revisited uh, the Urban Peasant to try to like start doing a few like cooking videos for the CBC website and it never, yeah. it never panned out, but I, I did definitely try to recreate a few recipes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I can hear his voice every time I see his face and, uh, yeah, he'll live, live on forever in my memory. Hi there. And welcome to the urban peasant show. Maybe I should say howdy partners. Cause today we're going to do chili. We're going to do chili our way. We're going to do it two different ways, but there's 2000 different ways to do chili. And the only thing to know is that you've got to have meat, and you gotta have hot peppers. I can only hear him saying the word butter in my head. <laughs> butter. He's got a very distinct way of saying it. He definitely does. And uh, yeah, I'm not gonna try to do that voice. <laughs> no. That's my first, Mr. James Barber, the urban peasant. It's a kindly grandpa-like figure. Yeah. And he had his own theme song that was pretty fantastic. James, I get hungry when I think of you. As a kid, I was like, that's a really jazzy tune. And as an adult, I'm like, oh, that's kind of sexual. It, it, like looking back at it, like, oh. It's a, it a little sexual. Yeah, I think he was a little bit like uh, free love that I didn't realize as a kid. Do you think he'd be the grandpa that gave like massages, like back one, rubs? And you're like, oh, I don't like God, this. I hope not. I don't want to think. He's like a Jonathan Frakes to me. He's like a, a grandpa father figure. Like, you you don't disparage James Barber. That's fair. I get that. And I, I will support that. Do I think he would be like uh, Will Ferrell from SNL in those, like, lover skits that he used to do? Yes. <laughs> My lover. <laughs> yes. I think he definitely could have been mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And uh, who wouldn't want to be? It's true. I mean. Something to aspire to. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to become an old white guy, become an old white guy like James Barber. 
That's just cooking with butter constantly. Constantly. Why wouldn't you? Butter is the key to everything. It's true. Butter, salt, sugar. Yeah. Yeah. The three white people condiments. (laughs) Salt and pepper. How dare you? Salt, butter, and sugar. It's a bit spicy. It's all a bit spicy. Salt (laughs) is a little bit much for me. Yeah. Okay. That's your number one. Who's your yeah? Who's your next one? Uh, My next one is Jamie Oliver. Jamie Oliver. The naked chef himself. Yeah, he was never naked, surprisingly enough. Well, and that's the first time I watched it. My mom was like, is he actually naked in the show? And I said, I haven't seen it yet, so. Naked's what I call my way of cooking. What I cook in the restaurant isn't what I cook at home. Cooking's got to be a laugh. It's got to be simple. It's got to be tasty. It's got to be fun. I suppose you could say it's stripping down the recipe to its bare essentials. No way. It's not meat for food. They're not going to show Wang on a cooking show. Like, the BBC is pretty loosey-goosey with a lot of things, but I don't think they let you be naked. They should, but they're not gonna. Uh, No, I'm going with with, uh, Jamie. I I like Jamie. Yeah. He's one where I did start by watching his television shows. Which one? Well, I started with The Naked Chef. Okay. And then there's Jamie's Kitchen, which I loved. And so in, in that series, he took a bunch of, like, underprivileged at-risk youth and tried to teach them how to cook. And I think about this one episode constantly because he had them all eat this type of ravioli and try to explain what they thought was in it. And every single kid was just shitting the bed, couldn't, they're like, oh, cheese. And he's just slowly losing his mind because he thinks it's so blunt and in their face what the flavors are and finally one kid comes in and he's like so it tastes like summer squash and you he just is like what and it it was really like it was sweet it was that over scripted reality type tv mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then i also watched um jamie's school lunches where he tried to teach a See, bunch of this is the one that uh <laughs> yeah where he goes into the different schools uh yeah. across england and tries to convince them not just teach them but convince them that it's worth feeding children <laughs> better food better food and that it doesn't have to be more expensive and that these children are worth this effort yes uh which is the part that always got me I love the episode where he shows them what goes into chicken nuggets. And he's like, gross, huh? so And the kids like, were like, yum! Yeah, and he's like, now knowing everything that goes into this, who still wants to eat this stuff? And now all the kids are like hands in the air, like screaming, exactly. like, yeah, they get it. Chicken nuggets. We know what's in them. It doesn't matter. There's a, a company in town um, that kids in like grade five, six, seven, whatever, can go and learn how to make food from scratch. And it's kind of that same idea is it lilydale no it's it's at co blue flame kitchen is what it is Mm. and the kids go and they learn how to make like macaroni and cheese from scratch like they learn how to make the pasta all that stuff and one of the classes that i once worked with they went and they came back and i talked to the teacher who went with them and said how did it go and he said the chef was so upset because he made craft dinner out of the box like the blue box and then he made the from scratch macaroni and cheese and had the kids pick which one they wanted after having gone through the whole thing and every single kid wanted the blue box craft dinner Fuck and he yeah. was just so like depressed and the teacher had to like console him to be like they don't know what they want they're eight like <laughs> they're eight they don't have the sophisticated palette that you're looking for but that's my criticism of jamie oliver is yeah. that sometimes his his meals like if you have his cookbooks 
some of them are great and some of them are intense. Like, just go down to your local fishmonger. I'm like, no, already we've lost the plot here, Jamie. Yeah, see, this is one of the, I, I think, common criticisms we could make about a lot of like, you know, chef authors, cookbook authors and uh, TV cooks is that they they have an access to food that mm-hmm. is not available to yes. your average person and definitely not available to your sort of like below average person yeah. who does not have the same income and resources. Yeah, like if one of your ingredients is duck neck, no. Mm-hmm. Unless you go to a fucking lake and catch your own duck. And even then, it's going to be a Canada goose, and I don't know what parasites are in that thing. <laughs> you just cook it long enough, there's no parasites. That's the beauty of cooking. Just jerky just neck. Just a tough neck, jerky neck. <laughs> there's something not right about saying jerky, jerky neck, neck, but Ugh. we'll let other people think about that for a bit. Okay, Jamie's my choosy. Um, the thing that off put me about Jamie at first was his hair in The Naked Chef, and it made me not want to watch him. Why? What was wrong with his hair? I just didn't like it. I was like, I'm not going to listen to this <laughs> asshole kid teach Aww. people how to cook. And I was like younger than him at the time. Yeah. Like, who do you think you are? How dare you? You're being a little flip with these sauces and herbs, sir. Little flip. It's a good number two. I like it. <laughs> Jamie <laughs> Oliver is number two. <laughs> so funny. My second chef is going to be probably my most favorite fictitious chef, which is Remy from Ratatouille. Oh, Ben. (laughs) I love Remy. Uh, Voiced by Patton Oswalt. Remy is, I mean, we've talked about this on the Pixar episode, but Ratatouille is like my head and shoulders above everything else, my favorite um, Pixar movie of all time. Mm -hmm. And Remy is just such a sweet and sincere character. (laughs) It's so lovely. Yeah. Yeah. and his passion for cooking is is wonderful to see. And I love the way he pulls what's-his-face's hair to, like, make him move around like a giant Jaeger robot. <laughs> the golem. <laughs> just such a stupid premise, and it's so fantastic. And then he gets to open up his little rat rat restaurant at the end. It's so, fan- it's so, so wonderful. Just so sweet. My favorite part of that movie is when they're all found out and they go into the kitchen and all of the, the rats beginning. are there and everyone's so disgusted. Oh yeah. Oh, oh later on. Yeah. As, yeah. Like one of the last scenes. And I just, cause at the moment you're like, Oh yeah, rats are gross in a kitchen and this isn't normal. Like you, <laughs> the spell is kind of broken. It's you're like, yes, let the rat cook. And then you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Wait, it's all rats. And oh it's God. All rats. But I love that all the little rats are washing their hands. Oh my God. It's so cute when they're washing their hands. They're like in a line, just like waiting and like, yeah, Remy and the others are making sure they, they properly prepare to work in the kitchen. Yeah. They, they're clean. Um, it's a great, it's a great look at stigma, et cetera. Uh, the thing I love the most about that movie and about Remy, though, is the way that he describes flavor and yeah. the combination of flavor. I don't know if you remember that scene where he talks about, you know, yeah. he's eating like the jazz. bit of strawberry and it's this sort of red burst. And then he eats the little bit of cheese and it's this like, jolt of another color of yellow and like then you put them together and you get this combination and i just found that such a beautiful illustrative way to describe mm-hmm. sort of the art of cooking yeah oh, i brought you something to ah no 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 spit that out right now oh, i have got to teach you about food close your eyes now take a bite of this. No, no, no! Don't just hork it down! <laughs> Here. That, chew it slowly. Mm. Only think about the mm. taste. Uh, see? Not really. Creamy, salty, sweet, and oaky nuttiness. You detect that? 
Oh, I'm detecting nuttiness. Close your eyes. Now taste this. A whole different thing, right? Sweet, crisp, slight tang on the finish. Okay. Now, try them together. Okay. I think I'm getting a little something there. The nuttiness. See? Could be the tang. That's it. Now, imagine every great taste in the world being combined into infinite combinations of taste that no one has tried yet. Discoveries to be made! I think. Uh-huh. You lost me again. It also inspired me to learn how to make ratatouille, uh, the actual mm-hmm. dish, and it is one of my favorite go-tos to make. I make that every summer with everything I grow in my garden. It's my favorite summer dish. Uh, absolutely. It's so wonderful. Uh, it's a lot of work and it's worth it. But even that's not like that much work. Cutting up, cutting up veggies is a lot of work. I mean, unless you have a proper. Just get a mandolin. Yeah, but I'm scared of mandolins. You get a holder and then. I'm scared good. it'll break and my fingers will fall off and I'll cut them all and I'll get mandolin fingers. Yeah, I mean that's it's a, it's a fair fear. Ben. What was that movie Nick Cage was in about the mandolin? Uh, Captain Crowley's mandolin, and it is about <laughs> the instrument and not the cooking tool. Well, that's not interesting to me at all. Let's move on. <laughs> Who's your next chef? Let's do one more before the break. This one's kind of controversial, but lately I've really... Oh, I love a controversial (laughs) chef. What a great setup. Like, how do we even get into this? Are you aware of Uncle Roger? No, I've never heard of Uncle Roger. Okay, so Uncle Roger is actually like... um, So his name is Nigel Ng, and he's, uh, he's a comedian, and Uncle Roger is his persona that he plays on his uh, like YouTube channel. And basically he watches, it's like a reaction channel. So he watches okay. all of these famous chefs cook Asian inspired meals and then just criticizes the shit out of them. And he's okay. very, very stereotypical. And recently he's been called out by China and has been censored and been blacklisted by China saying that he's not, not welcome there. He needs to pull his videos. And he basically was just like, fine, do it. <laughs> so where, where is he from? He is of Malaysian descent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's currently working out of the UK. I've seen him on a bunch of panel TV shows. Uh, recently and he's criticizing chinese cooking or like north american white cooking he's criticizing chefs like gordon ramsay who mm-hmm. would then make like a fried rice dish and just watches the videos and then criticizes or compliments based on how they're doing mm-hmm. things he's he's a youtube personality so i guess i'm trying to figure out what this what's the controversy then like i thought maybe he was criticizing chinese uh cooks or something so here i'm just gonna pull up the article about the controversy oh please do pull that article up as we say so he's been banned from chinese social media after making specific jokes about the current president um and china's presence in taiwan okay okay uh all right it always it, I should have guessed it would come back to a criticism of the yeah, like Chinese he, Communist Party. And he's a, his persona is very, very blunt. And like if people are like kind of that Gordon Ramsay-esque of you can't say that and you, you need to be more polite and politically correct in some things. And he's just like, no. Okay, interesting. And what is it that you like? Is that also what you like about him? I like that he like when he watches the videos of people cooking, like he's very 
blunt about like, oh no, that's like your walk is supposed to look beat up. It shows that you've, you're actually using mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That's a proper patina. Uh, you've seasoned it well. Yeah. It's a proper patina or like when people make fresh rice for fried rice. No, it's supposed to be day old at least. Yeah. You're not supposed to do that. It's supposed to be day old. Um, or when pe- he makes this comment about like, if you go to so if you go to a Chinese person's house and they cook for you in the kitchen, they don't really like you. If they cook for you outside in the outside kitchen, your family. And so like talking about like the different cultural aspects of cooking. Well, this is a new one for me. I'm going to have to look more into him because I had not heard of him yet. Remember niece and nephew, Gordon nailed his egg fried rice. He get called Uncle Gordon, but then he fucked up ramen. So Uncle Roger take that title away from him. Let's see if he can win it back. This is going to send Uncle Roger into overdrive. What? Trust me. You know it's going to make me angry and you still do? Now, I know I'm using a frying pan and he loves the wok, but trust me, I've been to Indonesia more times than he has. Let me tell you. <gasps> the sauce. Gordon just called out Uncle Roger. Go Indonesia so many times for what? You still use wrong noodle, hiya. He's he's a little spicy, Ben. Okay. Not for everybody. I appreciate the euphemistic warning. <laughs> That's a spicy chef. How many how many chili peppers out of five um, would you give his spice? I don't know, but now I'm like two. Oh, I get it. Okay, so I'm reading a bit more. So his Uncle Roger character is a stereotypical middle-aged Chinese man, and he speaks with an exaggerated accent. So mm-hmm. I could see uh, how that might be considered offensive. Yes. As and a Malaysian and not a Chinese man, uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's a questionable area. I might not be the right person to be offering commentary on this, but I can see now some of the controversy arising and why different people might have problems here. The ones that I've read, like the the feedback I've read, it's not necessarily because of that. It's because of him being critical of... Just the criticisms? Like, I have to, like, he is Malaysian, but there's also, like, Chinese, Malay people. Like, I went to school with a person who's from Singapore, but he identified as Chinese yeah. from Singapore. I mean, and it specifies here that he is Malaysian yeah. Chinese. So, oh, I mean, yeah, if somebody's going to do this, I uh, did not read yeah. far enough down in his Wikipedia article. Again, I am not the right person to be making commentary or criticism on yeah. that choice specifically. I was just, I thought it might be enlightening as to why some people found it problematic. And to be clear, I like him not because he does like this silly accent, I like him because he is very blunt with his feedback on white cooks that don't have the background mm-hmm. trying to teach other people how to create these like Asian inspired dishes without actually understanding sure. it's, it. It's into yeah. that uh, appropriative nature that we were talking about already. Yeah. I mean, literally the, the, the white problem. <laughs> hey, this looks cool. I'm going to take it and not worry about any of the other shit that goes with it. <laughs> or... Specifically, how it might have been influenced by the things that we've done to other people. Like when white people start trying to cook indigenous food and don't understand the available food resources that they had due to colonialism. I'm going to send you the video of uh, Uncle Roger criticizing and complimenting Gordon Ramsay's cooking. It's my favorite one. I will watch it later. Probably not the right thing to do right now in the middle of the podcast. No, no, no. Don't watch it right now. It's hard to listen to somebody do a sort of an exaggerated accent like that uh, and just not immediately sort of feel my hackles raised and being like, I don't, like, where do, where do I feel here? Because, like, 
when I see him on uh, other TV shows, like the panel TV shows that he's been on in the UK, and he does he doesn't speak like that. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. It, sometimes it like it does catch me off guard. I'm like, oh yeah, you're doing a bit right now. Yeah, and I mean, uh, have we gotten into what's his uh, or a friend of the show um, from uh, Kim's Convenience? Kim's Convenience. Paul. Sun Hyung Lee. Uh, I remember reading something about him talking about sort of the exaggerated voice that he uses yeah. in that show and how he considers it sort of a reclamation of his own history. Like, so yeah. it, because that's what he came from, that's like his family's history. So like, you know, mm-hmm. that is his to use and play with. And it's not the same as when, you know, a white person does a racist stereotype. So I appreciate that perspective. And obviously I just like my immediate feeling to be like, oh, you mm-hmm. can't do that is... Uh, is something that needs to be interrogated. I think it's something that, like, we can't do that. No, obviously, yes. <laughs> uh, and I don't want to, so it's not really an no. issue for me. God, no. It's not even about can't. It's about don't want. Uh, there's no urge there. I feel like if you have the urge to do that shit, you need to think about that as well. Anyhow, let's move along. That was a good pick. It's somebody I'd never even heard of before. Yeah. Uh, let's do one more before we hit our break here, and I've got another fictitious chef for you. Okay. Uh, are you familiar with One Piece? I am not. I am aware of One Piece and how some people refer to it as the anime Grey's Anatomy or Grey's Anatomy is the white lady's One oh. Piece. Oh, because it's gone on for so like long? nine million seasons. Yes. So that's all I know about uh, it yeah. is that it's coming to Netflix. There's a live action. People are very excited about it. You love the hell out of it. I'm excited to see it. Uh, yeah, I started into One Piece, uh, the anime, uh, like a year ago and have caught up to the episodes now over a thousand episodes. How? Ben, in a year? Uh, actually, I think I'm at like <gasps> 976 because I watched the, and this is heresy, I watched the sub, uh, the dubbed version of it. I like the voice actors. Wow. Uh, so I'm waiting for dubs. So I'm at like episode seven, 974 or something. How, how long is an episode? Oh, I don't know. Like 20 minutes. You skip the opening credits, end credits. You get okay. like maybe 15 That's reasonable. minutes of the show yeah. in there. Yeah. And you watch like two or three of those before you pass out each night after watching kids for like 12 hours straight. Um, but anyhow, that brings us to one of my favorite fictional chefs, uh, Sanji, uh, Vin Smoke Sanji, also known as Black Lake Sanji. He's a native to the North Blue uh, grew up uh, as part of the spoilers. In Smoke family, you don't learn that in spoilers. You learn that later on the German kingdom, his history. But basically, Luffy, Monkey D. Luffy, and the rest of the crew find him at the Baratier. Uh, it's a floating restaurant where he's cooking. And, you know, Monkey D. Luffy decides he needs a chef on his ship. So that's what they do. Uh, this is a guy who kicks so fast his leg starts on fire. Uh, he won't fight with his hands because he reserves those for cooking alone and uh, just has like a big respect for cooking. And then almost a personality disorder almost with how he treats women, okay. uh, his, his sort of reverence for them. Uh, yeah, it's he's a ridiculous character. He has a curly eyebrow. He's a lot of fun. Uh, more chefs in media, please. I, I love them. I thought you were going to go with the Swedish chef. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be like, well, here's a problematic accent. <laughs> oh, Swedish chef is later on. I just thought I'd do this one first. Swedish chef is still on the list. We got to make that Muppet connection that I alluded to earlier. The, Sh- the Swedish chef is coming up and it'll be a great tie-in because we can talk about whether doing a Swedish accent is offensive uh, or whatever the hell they call that. Uh, but for now, let's go to a break. <laughs> Who's that Pokemon? 
Do you have a do you have one this time? I don't. I could I can make one up, but do you have one? No, you do it. Make one up. I was just gonna make one up as well. Okay. Mine's gonna be amazing. The silhouette is kind of pear-shaped. Okay, real Pokemon or not? Not real Pokemon. Okay. Based on part of our conversation today. All right, all right. It's water. No. Okay. Pear-shaped. Um, and then at the bottom of the pear, there's like a couple little ovals. Okay. And then on the side of the pear, there's little sticks with little ovals on them. And then at the top of the pear, there's two little circles. Okay, this is some sort of animal with legs and hands and some ears or something up top. It's a cow? No. No? Cow face? What kind of cow are you looking at? I don't know. Um, pair little legs, little arms. Is it a Muppet? No. Mm, mm, I'm blanking. Hint. Give me a hint. It was based on one of the chefs that you brought up. All right, I've only brought up, okay, Ratatouille. Mm. So is it Remy? It is not Remy, but you are very close. Uh, his brother. Yes, it is. It's his brother, oh. Emil. Emil. Hooray. Good job, Ben. Da, na, 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 na. It's Emil. It's Emil. Uh, Emil. What a great name for a character in a cooking movie. A meal. A meal. <laughs> I love how supportive he is of his brother. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the best moments where he just tries to start eating stuff and his brother gets mad at him. Oh, I guess I'll just throw it on the pile and we'll... Uh... No. <laughs> I just put it on the food pile. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, throw it in the trash. <laughs> I feel like that's me. Did I tell you, like, uh, I was supposed to go for dinner with some girlfriends to this fancy-ass bougie place in town, and I just couldn't do it because I was looking at the menu, and I have all these, like, food allergies and intolerances now. And looking at it, I was like, nothing here screams Lexi. Everything here is like fancy lady out on the town. No, no, just a half portion for me. What restaurant? I need to know. Nobody else will care, but... Uh, I don't even know what it was called. Put them on blast. <sighs> sky, the sky one in no, the sky? No, but it, it was like one of those type ones where that was super fancy and it's in all the magazines and my friend was like, ooh, we should go here. It's going to be so cool. And I thought like, I'm more of a breakfast place or a coffee shop or pub type person. Do you think it's just growing up here that makes like the idea of anything being fancy and being Calgary just like sort of like diametrically yes. opposed to each other? Like, I mean, I would rather go to a ramen, like ramen's my favorite food, I think. So I'd rather go to a ramen bar. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Everyone should love. Yeah. And eat there, be on my way go to a pub and have like a salad and a glass of wine or something. But like, I'm not a fancy get dressed up, sit there. Like, I just, I feel like those people take themselves very, very seriously. And I just, and like that's when we're me. talking about it being in all the magazines, like immediately my mind goes like, so it's in Culinary and Avenue. Like yeah. that's where we've got the two like pay to play magazines well, in town. And like, they're yeah. not, okay. My experiences. Yeah. Anybody can be an Avenue or Culinary as long as you pay for an article. Well, and if you're like, there's so many great places. And one of the things I love about Andrew Fung is he highlights lots of like, we talked about like those mom and pop type places mm -hmm. that you'd find in like Forest Lawn and places where like Avenue's not going to write about like the Saigon Deli. That's yeah. a Forest Lawn. <laughs> they should be though. Yeah. The fifth one called Saigon Y2K, but which Saigon Y2K? And uh, yeah, you got to be specific. Yeah, exactly. Is it the good Saigon? Or one of the other ones. Which Golden Bell is it? The one in Bridgeland, that one's good. There's some other ones that are not so great. Right, because there is a difference.
I want I, I want a magazine that compares all the different ramen places for like the broth at one place like the broth at Wakato is by far the most superior broth in the city. See, and I love Jinya, and everyone talks Shikimenya, but Jinya, I know it's a chain, but it still has a broth that I like best. Did you know that right up the street from your house, there's like a, a ramen place, but it's like a make your own ramen? Tokyo Street Market? It's really close to Tokyo Street Market. We also have like Akuza. It can, it can, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, my brain is always like this. So I was going to say today, okay. but it's not just today. <laughs> it's just life. We have a lot of great... Great places to get so ramen in the city. Places. Yeah. We're very lucky. I'm not, I, I like good food. We've definitely, like, we've eaten at a Michelin star place before when we were in Amsterdam. It was amazing. I love good food. I did the same in Milan. Ooh, aren't we fancy? Milan and Amsterdam. Yeah, it was like three in the morning. We were like jet lagged as fuck. Our host took us to this Michelin starred restaurant. We got some like, it was like pseudo gastropub mm. stuff. And it feels like a fever dream because I barely oh. knew what I was eating. And I got yes. like one of those like, strawberry like forms that like you press it with a spoon and it opens up and a mist comes out and it's actually tomato soup or something i'm pretty sure i ate that we when we were at this place in amsterdam it was new year's eve and i definitely like the person i had like a eight course meal and they had to explain to me each course and how to eat it and i was like food goes here i don't know what to tell you like food goes here comes out here (laughs) yum bum (laughs) it's a very yoshi system we like food here anyway (laughs) Yo, she's got it. Let's not get too hoity-toity about it. Let's move on. Who ended? Oh, I just did Sandy. So it's your turn. Who do you got next? That was it. I just had my three. That's your list. Okay, I've got a few more I want to talk about. Let's keep it going. Swedish Chef. Let's do it. We talked about it. We beat around that bush. I have another one. Sorry. (gasps) Sorry. Go. Should we do Swedish Chef since I said it? I pulled that Band-Aid off? Yes. Yeah. See, this is the thing I was about to say. Is it okay to make a fake Swedish accent? And I would say yes. It's not even a Swedish accent. It's just it's just noise. It's not. No, it's not even close. But the idea is, is we are making fun of the concept of Swedish voices. Yep. Yeah, it's a predominantly white nation. Uh, they can they can come down a peg with their with their fish and shit. They're pickled and berries, fish. Swedish berries. Yeah, there you go. Pickled herring. Take them down a peg. Uh, one of my favorite Swedish chef things ever is the uh, dun 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 popcorn oh, video that yeah. they did in like 2010. like during that renaissance of the Muppets where they've been off like the air for a while they hadn't done a movie in a while uh, and then they started releasing these like YouTube shorts and they like just like skyrocketed back into popularity with all of these and that's that was one of the first ones. Can I tell you my favorite Swedish chef moment was from the the uh, Muppet Family Christmas from like 1985 or something. We do talk about the Muppet Family Christmas a lot on this show. It's so good <laughs> but when Big Bird walks in Oh. And the Swedish chef is like, 
gobsmacked. He's just like, horse and motion. And you're yeah. like, yes. That's a very big bird, isn't it? <laughs> you can just tell he's trying to figure out how he's going to stuff that thing. Yeah. But then, like, even when they're singing carols, like, these very serious, heartfelt moments. And then he starts singing. He's like, short and fork, American, organ. The other fucking thing I love about Swedish Chef is like there's a few Muppets like this, but he has human hands instead of Muppet hands. <laughs> and so it's always like, you know, that fucking thing you did at summer camp where one person like yes. sits behind the other person and like tries to help them drink yeah. and shit. It's always that way with Swedish Chef. And I fucking love it. They're I just throwing it. shit all over the kitchen, trying to stir smashing shit. It's like a bad yep. infomercial. Swedish Chef. That's amazing. You are my representation of Sweden. So thank you. <laughs> you are the the greatest ambassador for those people yeah there you go since i don't know hamlet no wait, he's from denmark yeah like no danish king who's who's famous from sweden uh, just the swedish chef yeah there you go let's move on who's your next one okay i'm gonna talk about julie van rosendahl oh yes we do love julie van rosendahl here we love julie van rosendahl uh, for those folks who don't know, Julie Van Rosendahl is a, a local chef, cookbook writer, social media personality, radio show host. We talked about her on the show a couple times. Uh, she's from Calgary, where we are also from. And uh, we just love her. We do. Love her. Love her to death. She comes up with some of the coolest like dessert recipes that I actually want to try. Yes. Like Icebox cake has been on my list for a while to do. Yes. Yeah. And just... Uh, a positive person, positive influence in the in the community, mm-hmm. like in the city, seems to give a shit about people. She started um, a group during the pandemic. She said to the school systems in the city, right, if anyone right, wants right. me to do four free sessions. And so I, I got to connect with her over that. And then she still continues to run every weekend for free a Zoom class for kids, uh, I think, yeah, kids to teens that want to learn how to cook and they just email her and she sends them the link and she teaches each week a different dish. And it's as simple as how to like poach an egg to let's make like taquitos or brownies or whatever. And it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, she does make good food. Like I like when she gets on kicks and this is, I love to use her when I was teaching in the classroom as an example for what true curiosity is. Oh, cool. So when she become obsessed with like butter. That's such a good compliment. Right? Like she exemplifies what learning is. The only reason any of us know about what they've done to butter with the cutting in the palm oil is thanks to her. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. Kind of digging into that and like asking questions about it and other people looking into it. Canadian butter producers have been cutting in the palm oil fucking our butter up and she's written a lot of articles about that too and she's been interviewed by like major news organizations around the world because one day she was like butter tastes different and it doesn't spread the way it's supposed to anymore yes you can leave it out of the fridge for like an hour and that shit is still rock hard and who would have thought that one chef who just was curious mm-hmm. would like mm-hmm. uncover buttergate 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 i love you julie i love you Thank, that's a that's I think about an appropriate of one to end on as as possible. Uh, a couple quick shout outs for me. Uh, Kobe eats on Instagram. It's a little kid makes recipes. There's lots of those on Instagram, but this Kobe one is one of my favorites. He's uh, jubilant, is how mm-hmm. I'd say it. And uh, and Jiro from the eponymous uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Uh, it's one of my Jiro Ono, uh, one of my favorite 
documentary films ever. Uh, Terrible father, amazing commitment to his craft. Uh, very interesting character. Those are my my last two shout outs. And I guess Gordon Ramsay. Gordon, yeah, Gordon Ramsay is a good one. Yeah, everyone sort of likes and or hates Gordon Ramsay. Really? Either's fine. <laughs> uh, there's one shout out I'd like to do, but it's not really a cook. If oh, I let's could. do it anyhow. Yeah, whose rules are we following here? We made these rules. Uh, there is a rules. local drag queen that I follow. Um, who has been on Canada's Drag Race, oh. uh, Stephanie Prince. Okay. And uh, you can look her up on Instagram under Stephanie's Butt. Okay, yes. I think I've uh, seen Stephanie's Butt before. Yes. And what I absolutely love is every so often she will put Filipino cooking videos up and she'll like make a dish. And sometimes she's getting ready for shows and sometimes she's come from a show or sometimes she's in drag, not drag, whatever. And the videos are good. Like, they're really good cooking videos, and I'm like, I'm going to make that. Mm-hmm. And she just, I love to see someone enjoying food. And so it looks like when she posts the, the cooking videos, they're great, mm-hmm. they're well done, and I love her. What's your go-to dish to head out on? What's your favorite thing to cook? Ooh, to cook or to eat? Not your best. Uh, you know what? Let's do both. What's your favorite thing to eat? Uh, my favorite thing to eat is ramen, specifically from Mikado ramen, the miso ramen with just a little bit of chili in it. So good. I've had it. It is fantastic. And my absolute favorite. I like an extra egg in there sometimes too. And I like a right. fatty pork. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. To cook, I really like to make, uh, overcomplicated stews and soups with lots of ingredients. A can of Guinness in there? Yeah, like I like to make like a roast, like a nice roast dinner. I actually get excited for like yeah. stew season when when fall starts approaching, like I get I get I get excited for that. Actually, so I like to make a good super stew, but I think one of my most favorite things to make is coconut green curry because and I like to make it mm-hmm. with broccoli and tofu and be I'll fry the tofu so that it's nice and crispy and brown and then chop that up and I'll put it into the coconut curry. It's my favorite. And if we asked John, he'd say that's your best dish. My best dish that he loves. I got a couple that I'll make like meatballs and rice and Thai chili sauce with broccoli. He loves that Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And then he's just like, he's a very simple, like he just likes like chicken and vegetables kind of thing. Damn right. Yeah. What about you? Favorite thing to eat? It's hard to say. I love food. Food's good. Yeah. I I love pizza. I love sushi. I mean, everyone does. Who doesn't love that stuff? Right. Yeah. I don't know how to pick. Right now, I think my kick is is Korean chicken. Mm. Um, They just do it different. Yeah. So good. They cut it different. They cook it different. It's fantastic. That's probably my kick at the moment. For cooking, shepherd's pie has always been my thing. And I appreciate Mm -hmm. what all you pedants out there are going to say that like, you know, it's not shepherd's pie unless you're using lamb. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just a cottage pie. But we just call it shepherd's pie here, and that's fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. Sounds good. Mashed potatoes. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love making it. I love, like, switching up the vegetables, mm-hmm. switching up the layering a little bit, trying mixes on, on the topping. Like, it could be potato one time, or it could be a mix of, like, winter veg, mm-hmm. some parsnip, nice. or some sweet potato. Love it. Starchy stuff. Yep. Get it in there. Get it, get it going. That sounds great. Shepherd's pie. It's comfort food. Yeah, that's my mom for my birthday every year it makes me she calls it pseudo lasagna and it's basically just like noodles meat sauce cheese bakes it on the top stovetop 
And then she makes this really great Caesar salad. Is that your homiest recipe? Like the one that like just takes you home, like makes yeah. you feel warm and fuzzy inside? Makes me feel like, yeah, mom's cooking. Or mm-hmm. she has this like hamburger Helper. stew where it's just like hamburger, peas, corn, carrots, chopped up potatoes. Love it. Salt and pepper. I eat it with ketchup. It's awesome. And that's <sighs> so like good. what I'll make in the middle of the week when I don't feel like cooking. In the winter. Ugh, sounds delicious. A meal in a pumpkin. Have you ever done it? No, but because John's not really like, I always want to make stuffed peppers or things like that. And he's not into that, but I, I sounds great to me. Meal in a pumpkin, I think might, might suit him. It's just like, you know, some water chestnuts, mm-hmm. rice, meat, vegetables. And then, you know, you don't have to put it back into the pumpkin yeah. if you don't want to. But if you cook it in the pumpkin, it's that much more authentic. You can just do it in like a Dutch oven. You know, now that you say that, that makes me think of when I was growing up, um, my friend's mom We'd go over to her house after school all the time because my parents worked and she would wind up making us dinner all the time. And she would make, um, they're from Belgium and she would always make Nazi Goring. And it was my favorite because it's just like, it's a rice dish with vegetables and chopped up pork. And I've never been able to recreate it. And I still like, that was just, oh, so good. I got to find it. You got to find it. Oh, Fiona started doing this like very simple, like buttered noodles with Mm. like garlic scapes on it. And some like sesame seeds. It is fantastic. I am getting so fucking hungry. It's the simple stuff. Well, my mom's friend got married at this tiny, tiny Italian restaurant just up Edmonton Trail. And they had this traditional spread. And I remember there was fresh pasta and all it had on it was a little bit of Parmesan and olive oil. And it was so good. And that was it. And it was just, it was unbelievable. We did, okay, my last <laughs> anecdote, we did uh, the the Luca Comic Festival in Italy one year. Uh, Fiona got invited out with her writing partner, Brian. And they had uh, put us up at this, like, really beautiful old home inside the city walls. And we had a chef mm. who made us fresh pasta wow. every day. And do you know what she put on that pasta when she served it to us? Nothing. Just a little bit of olive oil, some salt. Yeah. That's how we ate it. And it so was so good. good. So good. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, now that we're super hungry and don't want to podcast anymore, let's call it. Uh, until next time, folks. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> that was better. I should have done that way. Dorkin, borkin, dorkin, borkin. Dork out with your fork out. Thanks for listening to Dork Matters. If you like the podcast, subscribe, give us a rating, and tell your friends about us. If you are a fellow dork and have a dork issue that you think we need to discuss, tell us on our social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can also check out original art and other content from Ben and myself. We'd like to say a big thank you to Yabra for the use of our theme song, Dance, off of their Astral EP, as well as a thank you to Jess Schmidt for producing and editing our podcast. Thanks, Jess. Dork Matters. This podcast is created on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Siksika, the Begaini, and the Gaina. We also acknowledge the Stony Nakoda Nation, Sutena, and Métis Nation Region 3.